uh, it's good to see everybody, guys. It uh, it really is, man. If you uh, one of the things we want to do is get to know you, get to know your name. So if you want to sign those sign up sheets, if you haven't already, uh, we pray over those names. We get to know those names, and we want to know your name. So we've met some new people this morning, which was really cool, um, and so it's 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 really neat to to be there. So if you want to serve anywhere, there's a there's a connect card right there on your bulletin. If you want to do any of that stuff. Uh, please let us know. We want to. If you need prayer, put that on your bulletin. It's the um, well. We've already passed the buckets, but you can pass it to somebody, and uh, we'll make sure we get it. You can give it to me or whatever. And so we want to make sure we do that. But ultimately, guys, what we want to do is honor God in the way we do church. We talked last week about the fact that uh, that uh, that we tend to approach church in a in our culture anyway in a way that really is very selfish in a lot of ways and we approach church like how can the church which is also known as the bride of christ and if you think about this being mrs jesus and the church in general like how can she meet my needs rather than like we've got to be thinking how can i meet hers that's that's jesus that's mrs jesus right there right and so we want to be able to to, to serve her love her honor her in everything that we do and that's kind of the approach we talked about last week and we talked about the fact that we have these three buckets that we tend to put the scriptures in and and we talked last week about the unity of the body this week what we're going to do is we're essentially going to say how do we approach scripture like like i have people tell me all the time uh man i don't know how to read the bible i don't even know what it means it's confusing it's that that kind of thing and so this is kind of a neat way to to be able to to approach scripture what i would rather do rather than teach you what scripture says i would rather teach you how to dive in for it for yourself and then that way it's kind of like the whole uh instead of giving you a fish i'm teaching you to fish does that make sense so people can can move forward in their own lives and and, and mature and grow in their own faith on their own based on the standard of the scriptures and so this is what we want to do is it says that peter wrote to the christians in second peter three eighteen, want you to be able to grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ and so what we're looking to do in the second part of this three-week series is like like i said how do we approach the scriptures and how do we recognize what is goes into these buckets see last week i introduced the fact that this bucket is small for a reason uh this bucket is the is what the bucket of scriptures is that's in essence so we got to put scripture in this it's pretty narrow right it's pretty uh what it says is what it says there's there's not a lot of room for interpretation a lot of the time a lot of people think there is but actually there's a whole heck of a lot less interpretation of scripture than we think this bucket is the bucket that people are like, like how is the scripture that's in the the, the the actual word of god how is it taught and that could be doctrine could be tradition could be anything like that things and it might be right and it might be wrong but ultimately it's got to submit to the doctrine and denomination and traditions must submit to the word of god amen this bucket, this is kind of the big old honking, stinking chum bucket that is the opinion about what God says in his word. And everybody's got one, right? I, if you're a SpongeBob fan, you know what I'm talking about when I say, which I am, by the way, uh, is a chum bucket, right? That, like it's stinking, like it can be stinky, nasty, and funky. Now, it doesn't mean that opinions don't matter, but ultimately what it says is that it pales in comparison to the importance of what the word actually says 
And so when we're reading our scriptures, and I gave you my testimony about how I came to know the Lord because I found out that the scriptures are truly supernaturally inspired. I mean, you can't predict 300 times what a coming Messiah is going to look like and somebody by mere accident just fulfilling all those things in. That just doesn't make sense. And if that wasn't enough, this Messiah, the Jesus, the Christ, rose from the flipping dead. Are you kidding me, right? Like at some point, you got to say, Muhammad and Buddha and all them guys ain't got a candle to Jesus. It is not the same God, if you will. God showed us in his word and showed us by the power of the resurrection, which we'll celebrate in a couple of Sundays, that this ain't just a good series of writings. This ain't just a a neat instruction manual for our lives. It's not just good philosophy. This is the word of God. Regardless of how it's taught, regardless of how we think, this is what we got to submit to. Kind of see what I'm saying? And it's powerful when we do that. And what we're going to learn is that it's very, very freeing. Like it gives us great liberty and freedom when we actually do that. There are two general questions we need to be asking and answering when we are approaching the scripture. Number one, what does God say? I'll never forget being, and I told you this last week a little bit, and if you miss it, uh, should have been in church. Just kidding. Um, sort of. Uh, but but I, I take guys through a, a class called T3. It's called Teaching Teachers to teach. And I remember reading uh, something in the scriptures about how Jesus said to handle rightly the word of God. And it was written in red. I mean, there was no question. It was pretty obvious what was said. And I asked the guys, I said, what did Jesus say? First thing out of somebody's mouth. Well, I think I said, stop right there. Hold on just a second. I didn't ask you what you thought. I mean, I love you, man. But, uh, but, but I asked you what God, what Jesus said. Right? I didn't ask you what you thought. I didn't ask you what you were taught. So what did he say? And so it's real freeing when we say, okay, i got to look at it that way. Second thing when we say, not, uh, uh, beside what God is saying, because a lot of people like to go and find out what God actually says, and they'll go to study after study after study after study after study, and they'll learn and learn and learn and learn and learn, and they'll fill their heads full of all this stuff and never actually do something about it. So the second question we've got to ask and approach in general is not just what God says in his word, but what does God want me to do with that? Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 is kind of our primary scripture, and I'll talk about some others here that are, that are extremely important. All of the Bible is the word of God, and I say that all of the Bible, every, according to what Jesus said, that everything is inspired, every cross of a T and every dot of an I. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore I, this is Paul writing to a church in Ephesus, a pretty doggone good church, and he's helping to encourage them and be united in this stuff. Therefore I, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you. He said, I'm begging you, right? Like you might say, I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a suggestion here, y'all. He said, I'm urging you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope and at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and, and in all. See, according to Paul, when he's writing this church, and by the way, Paul 
was used to be a persecutor of Christians. Now he's in jail for the faith. This is crazy stuff, right? And so according to Paul, there's this oneness. There's this unity that we've got to have in our church. Like this, like this, all this stuff about, well, what I think about baptism or what I think about what faith is and what I have been taught about this, like it doesn't really, like these are the things that have got to unite us. And yet throughout history, those are the things that have divided us. Well, I think this about baptism, so I'm going to go start another denomination. Well, my opinion is that, uh, that there are other gods and that kind of thing and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to go start my own thing. And yet the word of God is what is true and accurate and real. That's where we've got to be. Amen? This is what unifies us. This and this is what divides us. And it doesn't need to. The very thing that he said to, to keep in unity, these ones are the things that are supposed to keep us united. It's amazing to me, right? Man, it's incredible. Churches have, have split off. Denominations have started. Even people that are brothers and sisters in Christ get mad at each other over these things and start their own thing and divide. Like, and, and Paul's like, you've got to be humble with each other and you've got to be united with each other. So here's the deal. Here's the buckets. And today we want to learn how to, how to recognize the buckets of Scripture. Like where does these things fall into? So we've got the truth bucket, right? That is the Word of God. These are the things that are absolutely essential. Jesus said, hey, I'm the only way to heaven. There, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no reason to teach anything differently, but it happens a bunch, right? There's really no reason to feel anything differently, but it happens a bunch too. Well, I think a loving God lets anybody into heaven. And Jesus said, nope, I'm it. Right, right, narrows the road, right, and few find it, right. It's amazing. Like it's so free. Like it is. It is when it's when we simplify it to that, freedom comes in our lives. So I'll explain that here in just a second because it's so exciting, right? Uh, the the Jesus is the only way, right? Some people will teach, well, Jesus is a way, and some people will say, well, what would Jesus do? Right? They ask themselves, like, well, uh, Jesus did this. Well, I think Jesus would do this. In my opinion, Jesus, you see how that works? How dangerous it can be when we fall away from the truth. And Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's freedom in this, right? Some people say it's so narrow. Well, man, it's, it's kind of like 2 plus 2 does equal 4. Actually, 2 plus 2 equals Jesus, because the answer to everything is Jesus, right? <laughs> Amen? Come on, man. That's awesome. You know that was a funny joke. I don't care where you're from. Here's the problem. <laughs> Do not quote Larry the Cable Guy. Here's the problem. I love our church. Here's the issue. And we can tend to dive so deeply into this. This is where I get in trouble every time I preach this. Because so many times people want to go to Bible study after Bible study after Bible study after Bible study and attain more and more knowledge. Because I want to know what God says. But they never actually do anything with it. Like we study so much. Like, we, like people are always ask me, when are we going to do Bible studies? Man, I love Bible studies. I do. But, but Bible studies for the sake of knowledge attainment is worthless. Right? Like, if we don't learn what it says so that we can do what Jesus said to do, then it doesn't make a hill of beans. You might as well go do something else. Watch Netflix all night. Who cares, right? Like, this is what we're supposed to do. I'm not saying anything against Netflix. I'm just saying, before I get an email, what's wrong with it? Nothing. I'm just saying, we got to focus on the Word of God. That's it. 
It's so freeing and it's so simple, but it's so hard because we want to get so creative in our interpretations and our opinions. But this is where we've got to focus. And it does give us great freedom. Jesus said to his disciples, the last thing he said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and this is what I love about this, because it does make it so simple. He goes, says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We've got a baptism in the third service. If anybody feels like they need to get baptized, we'll, we'll hook you up right now. Like, don't worry about it. Like everything in the, every baptism in the scriptures was immediate when somebody came to know the Lord. So if you don't, and you're like, oh, wait, he rose from the dead. Actually, I'm, I'm his, right? Let's go, right? Don't worry about it. I'll get in there with you and get wet. I'll preach wet in the third service. Who cares? Let's roll. But he said something else. Don't just get them wet. Don't just dunk them. Because that's what people do. They'll dunk them a lot of times, stick them in a Bible study, say you're a disciple. Now, no, you're not. Because here's what he said. Teaching them to observe or obey everything I've commanded you. In other words, you got to be baptized. Yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. That doesn't save you, but it just shows your evidence of salvation. And he says, go teach them to be obedient. That's what you do as a disciple. And it's so rare. And it's so important because Jesus also said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep or obey my commands. Like, that's, it's perfectly simple. How many Christians say, I love me some Jesus, but they don't do what he says. Jesus later in the same chapter says, if you don't do what I say, you don't love me. Wow. Crazy, right? That's why it's important for us to dive into Scripture to find out what he said. Not what we were taught, not what we, are, not what we think, but what he actually said. Because if he says, if you obey me, you love me. That's hard to hear. For a lot of folks, because we're doing things that, frankly, don't show that we love him. Or we're doing our best, or we think we are because we've been taught something. I think I'm being obedient in this, but we, we haven't taken the time to actually dive into the word. So, but Jesus said, obey what I've commanded, not obey what you were taught, and not obey what you feel. Wow, right? And it's totally, totally and completely freeing. When we do that, let me get you get kind of some understanding of how to approach this scripture. And, and Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. We're going to read some things in first Corinthians later. But he said, we know that we all have knowledge and knowledge inflates with pride. That's what people do when only they study the Bible. They don't do anything about it. But love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know it as he ought to know it. Knowledge of what the Bible says and obedience to the commands of Jesus must go hand in hand. Right? That's what it means to be a disciple. The mark of a disciple is genuine love and unity in the body of Jesus that leads to understanding and obedience. If you, don't, if you understand what the Bible says and you actually don't obey, that shows Jesus that you don't love him. It's according to Jesus, unless you want to argue with Jesus. Don't shoot the messenger. Talk to Jesus if that makes you mad, right? That's how it works. That's why I love being a preacher, man. I can blame everything on Jesus. I'm just repeating, right? Don't get mad at me, man. I mean, he's the one that said it. If you think you're the other ways to heaven, he says something different, go talk to him about it. Don't talk to me. I'm going to follow him. 
there are four things I want us to do when we learn what it means to approach Scripture in the right way. Four things and specifically I want us to do. Like when you want to know what it says so that you can be obedient, knowing who is being written to and why is absolutely key. So one of the reasons why I, I struggle with life verses, we'll pick a verse out of context and that kind of thing, out of some scripture that seems to say something that it doesn't say because of who's being written to and why and all the different things, all the scriptures around it, which means to my next thing is that context determines meaning, what's said before, what's said after, what's said on the, all, I, I say this all the time, every verse in scripture is in context of all the verses in scripture, you can't take one and apply it to what you think or feel or have been taught, that's too dangerous, because this is, a, this is a weapon that we have, man, if we're not careful with it and understand how to, how to use it, then we're going to hurt ourselves and, and others if we're, if we're not careful. Third thing is, is that understanding the original language is critical to understanding the word. And so people are like, well, I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I'm going to explain that, how we can know some of that here in just a second. Uh, what does God finally want me to do with this? When I learn what it means and understand the original language, understand the context, and understand the author's intent and the audience uh, that he's writing to, what does God want me to do with that? That's where we, the rubber actually meets the road as a disciple. First uh, Corinthians 8, I'm going to give you an example of this, that Paul is writing to a, a really messed up church, and he says this. He says, we, he, will, he will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be, say that with me, blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right Now, now, now check this out. Listen to what he says. God is faithful. You are called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I, I he says it again. He, hey, this is a, maybe a suggestion. No, I'm, I'm begging you guys. Listen to this. I urge you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you. He's saying this unity thing again. This, this is a common theme in the scriptures. God is glorified by a unified body of believers. If we love one another, if we submit to one another in love, even if we disagree about something, even if we got our feel like seriously, like if we learn to be unified, guys, that glorifies God. There ain't no stopping the kingdom of heaven from coming that we pray for. See, we're in the middle of a spiritual war. We're fighting on behalf of Jesus. We're taking the kingdom back for him, and we're kicking Satan's butt in his honor. Amen? Come on, man. Whew, I lost my place. Mercy. Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say. There be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. This is why we have our initiative, Will It Be Us? When God says, will it, who will it be that I send to Edgerton? Who will it be that I send to the intermodal? Who will it be that I send to those who are not just here, but also who are coming? Who will it be that I send to Baldwin and Wellsville and Gardner and Olathe and Paola and Otto? Who will it be? We'll say, it, it is us, right? That's the question. It's not, will it be me? It's going to be, will it be, will it be us? We've got to be unified in this mission and understanding and conviction. So let's break that scripture down. And man, this will blow your mind 
when you look at that. The author and the audience, knowing who's been written to and why, Paul is writing to a letter, uh, this letter to a, a really messed up, jacked up church. There's some dude sleeping with his mama, man. I mean, it's crazy stuff going on. Boot, like, like, like pagan rituals come into the church. All kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, in context, uh, like what we'll talk about is like that's what he's doing. In context, is like, like, he's being pretty sarcastic. In fact, he starts off the letter to, ch- to this church in Corinth saying, I always thank my God for you. Because of God's grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Now some people are like, well that's kind of, no it's really sarcastic. It's like, man you guys would be tore up from the floor up if it wasn't for God's grace, right? Like it's kind of like, hey you're not too bad looking for an ugly guy. It's like, oh thank, what? That's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's kind of like one of those things. I thank God for God's grace. I mean he is really, really messing that up. I mean he's, he's pretty sarcastic in this stuff. And it's funny. Oh it's funny when he does that. Listen to this. The original language, when I start talking about that word blameless, the New Testament was written primarily in Greek. In fact, it was written in street Greek for the common man to be able to understand it. That's why some of the scholars of the day refused to acknowledge that as Scripture because it's got, it's got slang in it, man. It's got street language in it. We can't, that's, that's, that's undignified. That's, that's not just sacrilegious, right? But that's what kind of God we serve. He wants to reach the common man. He wants to reach the deepest despair of everybody so that everybody has a chance to know him. Amen? Woo, man, this is fun, right? Check this out. I love this. This word in 1 Corinthians 1, 8. So that you will be, say it again, blameless. Is a word in the Greek, this Greek word for blameless is called can you pronounce it anenklitas? Anenklitas. It's a street language, right? Anenklitas. You know what anenklitas means? Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just back up. You know what they'll say? You'll be blameless on the day of the Lord. Boom, that's what it says. You know what sometimes it's taught? You're going to have to stand before the Lord. Uh, and you're going to have to talk, account for every cuss word and every impure thought. Uh, right? That's what's taught a lot of times. And my opinion is a lot of times. I said extra syllables and everything, right? What's that? I mighty. That's what you got. That's right. <laughs> like a pirate. Huh? I thought I sound like a, a fire and brimstone preacher right there. All right. They sound the same. Never thought about that. That's pretty good. <laughs> I love it. And then the opinion is, well, I think I'm going to have to stand before the Lord. And he's going to, man, he's going to ream me a new one uh, at the end of the, uh, the days when he comes back. Right? That's what is taught. But here's what the word blameless means. Blameless means Anenklitas means unaccused. Wow, it's right. You're not going to have to be accused of anything. You, covered by the blood of Jesus. I've heard people say, oh, well, Jesus is the attorney and his daddy's a judge, right? No, we're not going to face any charges. Wow. How many people have been beat up? And it preaches really well, too. Like, like people white-knuckling in church. Oh, boy, you better be ready to get, get, get your butt kicked by Jesus on the day of the Lord because he's going to come get you, right? No, you're going to be unaccused. You're not going to stand. You're, no charges will be brought against you. Holy smoke, how freeing is that? How many people won't even step into a church? How many people won't even read their Bible because they're too ashamed because they've been taught that they're going to have to have to rack up a whole bunch of time spending before the Lord, sweating it out, or they're going to be, be, be absolutely ha- like hammered by Jesus when he says, you're unaccused. 
man. You see how understanding and getting into the Scripture actually brings freedom. So when Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, not the tradition and the tradition that shackles you sometimes and sometimes not, or the opinion that, uh, that your mama or you have said. Like Ultimately, when we are in the Word and know the Word and start abiding by the Word and start obeying what Jesus actually said and living our life in freedom, man, it, set, it sets it apart, doesn't it? Wow, that's incredible. That's why when we open up the Word of God, we're not opening up the Bible. We're opening up the Word of God. And we approach it in a certain way. But how do you find this Greek stuff? Man, I, I'm going to give you guys some free, like something free here. This is an awesome thing. Write it in your bulletin, blueletterbible.org. If you want to know what a word says, man, I wonder what that says. Shoot, well, I think it says, man, no, no, go, go find out. Blueletterbible.org, you can actually click on a word, and you can even click on a, like, it, it's got a little speaker on it. You can hear how it's pronounced, right? You think I knew how to pronounce Greek? I don't know Greek, but I know how to go on to Blue Letter Bible. I see this all the time. TGFG, thank God for Google if you want to Google what the, what the word says. I mean, you can figure that stuff out. Blueletterbible.org. We are living in a great time to be able to understand what Scripture says so that we can be uh, obedient to it. Man, it's so powerful when God reveals himself in his word, his truth. So I want to read with that understanding of how we approach scripture, knowing who the audience is, knowing what the original language says, knowing what it means and says in context, and then asking ourselves and doing what God wants us to do. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1, we're going to read 16 verses. Paul says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. Diligently keeping the unity of the spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all. And in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. Now, I'm about to say something that people have taken and twisted. And when we look at the actual language, we'll know exactly what it says. because And it'll blow people's minds. When he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity. He gave gifts to the people. But what does he ascended mean? Except that he descended to the lower parts of of the earth. Anybody ever heard of the Apostles' Creed? Written in 390s, not a terrible thing, but the Roman Catholic Church has said that, uh, according to the Apostles' Creed, that Jesus went into hell and they use this passage to say it. Even, like, even Protestant people will say he went into death, right? But listen to what this actually says. This word for lower parts of the earth is a word called, I'm gonna try this, katateros. Everybody say kataeros. Bunch of Greek freaks in the house. I love it. Kataeros. It literally it means the lower parts of the earth, and it literally means coast, dirt, or land. It does not mean hell. It means that he yes he went into a tomb, but it does not say he went into hell. And that 
He went, and, and ultimately, he came from heaven to the, the dirt, right? That's what it says. What's taught is he went into hell and, and rescued people that didn't know him. No, it doesn't say that. Well, I think God, I think Jesus went to hell because the Apostles' Creed came up with this teaching, right? And said he went to, to, in, into death and went into hell. Well, I think that Jesus went in there and did this, this, this. Ultimately, none of these matter, do they? When we learn what the Scripture actually says, it sets us free. We don't have to go, I wonder what that means. Go find out, right? Amen? It's so cool when you get to do that. Can we get to find out what it says so that we can walk worthy in the manner of our calling? Wow. It's powerful. That little bucket's powerful. I mean, these big buckets look, look bigger, man, but that thing, that's like TNT ready to explode, baby. Woo. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens. See the contrast? See the contrast. That he might fill all things, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors or shepherds, and teachers. Some of us even argue these aren't gifts, but are really offices of the church. And I'm going to go start a new church that calls them all. Man, come on. What does he want us to know? What does he want us to do? doesn't matter what they're called. Like, like these are things that God has given us, the talents and abilities or offices, whatever you want to call them, let's use those for God's glory. And here's why. For the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith, he says it again, and, then, and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we, will no, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every teaching by human, what? Thank you. By every teaching, blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and techniques, uh, techniques of deceit. Next, next verse. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. That's powerful, isn't it? See, Paul was writing about buckets. Did you know they were, you know what I'm saying? Like these are what he's saying. From him, the whole body, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body of, for building up itself in love, by the proper working of each individual part. You have a part, you have a part, you have a part, you have a part. Everybody's got a part of the body of believers. But we are one body unified together on the same mission. With the same conviction and the same mindset which is Christ Jesus. Which is the truth and the truth will set us free. Wow. And if we approach it that way guys, there ain't no stopping the kingdom to come that we say we pray for we're actually going to step into that battle with the sword of the spirit which is the word of god wow and it's fun right i'm going to give you guys a little bit of homework before we dismiss and i want us to be thinking about before i give you this homework i'm going to give you some scriptures to read and i know that everybody has lives and this might take you six and a half minutes a day <laughs> to read and you might have to do it every day I don't know man I, 
stretch. I want us to be consuming the word as if it were food. Too many folks come into a church and they think they're complimenting me. And it and I usually call them out right away because they'll say things. Finally, I'm being fed in a church. That's not crap, really. They look at me so funny sometimes because they think they're complimenting. And I said, don't you don't you know you're supposed to feed yourself? Eat it. Right? Chow down on it. Don't wait for me to feed you. I'm going to challenge you to learn how to chow down on that steak yourself. Somebody comes in and says, man, I just love this church. I'm really being fed here. That last church wasn't feeding me at all. Feed yourself. Amen? We're going to start that this week. So when you read these scriptures, I want you to remember, who are these scriptures written to? Why are they written? Context determines meaning. Don't take a verse out of any scriptures or anything like that. Understanding of the original language. BlueLetterBible.org. If you like, I wonder what that word means. Click. Boom. Hey, that's how you pronounce it. Awesome. Ooh, wow, that's what it means. I had no idea. Fantastic. And finally, the most important thing, don't just fill your head with stuff and knowledge. Learn what it means to be obedient because that's what Jesus said shows that you love him. And if we do love Jesus, we don't want to just find out about Jesus and find out who Jesus is. We want to love him and show him that we love him. Next week, we're going to look at those seven ones, and we're going to decipher what the truth is, what people have taught those seven ones are, and what people's opinions have been over the years. And these are the things that have divided, and this is the thing that unites. So I want you to do is to write these scriptures down. I want you to read John 14 and 15. That's two chapters. And then I want you to read all of Ephesians chapters 1 through 6 and read it with that fresh perspective amen read it with that okay what am I actually going to do with this read it what does it say in context who's Paul what's he writing to what is what I'm reading in context of you may actually find yourself reading all of John just to figure all that out right but it's a powerful powerful way to learn what it means to be a disciple and learn what it means to be obedient when we know the truth and the truth sets us Father, we love you, and we thank you for your truth. We thank you for sending truth here. Your son said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. When we are reading your word, we are reading you. We're not reading a manual, we're not reading a a self-help, great philosophy, great teachings. We're reading your word that radically changes our life and our approach to everything. Our approach to health, our approach to money, our approach to family, our approach to church, our approach to discipleship. When we read what you say and we do what you say, kingdom comes. Kingdom comes in our families, kingdom comes in our our jobs, kingdom comes in our community. 
and you're glorified until we get to see you face to face. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Everybody in the house said, by Jesus.